Welcome to the podcast for Real Church Coweta. We meet every Sunday at 10 a.m. at the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sharpsburg. You can also check us out online at realchurchcoweta.com or jump on Facebook at Real Church Coweta. We hope you enjoy this week's message. Morning, Real Church. Do you ever get the feeling sometimes that you're exactly where you're supposed to be? Hello? Sometimes that happens. Does that happen to you sometimes? Uh, God called our family to leave the church that we were at back in uh, earlier this earlier this year to come here. And, uh, you know, to be honest with you, I really kind of felt like I wasn't at my other church long enough. And um, but what I've learned uh, over the past few months is uh, I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be. Tiffany's exactly where she's supposed to be. And Shelby and Harper are exactly where they're supposed to be. The dog, the cat and the chickens, they stay at home. They're exactly where they're supposed to be, too. Uh, but it's a really, really good feeling. I really appreciate the love and the support that we get. And uh, Tiffany, as you know, she's a middle grade uh, science teacher for the school. And then I have a dual role at the school and the church uh, here every week. So we're, we're here. We try to commute together as much as we can. But it's a really, really cool thing to be able to do. And uh, I believe it's something that God orchestrated. And, uh, you know, it's a really cool thing. But support and love that, we're, that, I'm, that I'm getting personally, uh, just prayers from y'all, from my mom. I really appreciate it. Uh, she's at home now. and She's doing better. Um, but y'all prayed for us uh, in a corporate setting at least two times since we found out that she initially had cancer. So uh, I just wanted to give y'all take the time, just take take a few seconds to give you an update and let you know that she is home and she had surgery uh, about a month, about a few weeks ago, and uh, just some issues that she had. But uh, she's kind of on the mend now, and hopefully that'll continue. So I really appreciate it. Uh, we're in the middle of Advent. We're on Sunday number two for Advent. Last week the topic was. Hope. Starts with the H, ends with the O. Hope. It was hope. Pastor Barry preached a great message on that. And this morning, our Sunday morning small groups uh, discussed uh, that sermon from last week. This week, we'll talk about peace. Next week, Pastor Barry will be back up here to talk about joy. And then we'll talk about love on Christmas Eve morning. And by the way, Christmas Eve morning, we will not have small groups that morning, but we will have our normal 10 a.m. service on Christmas Eve in the morning. Uh, we promise to keep you no longer than an hour. We, we, uh, Barry, Barry feels very strongly that we need to keep it con- as condensed as possible because we are inviting everyone uh, to come back that night at 5 o'clock for our Christmas Eve service where Pastor Barry will give a, a, a devotional regarding um, uh, Christmas and whatever the God lays on his heart. We'll light the Christ candle for the Advent, which is the white candle right there in the center. And uh, we'll also take part in communion. So uh, Christmas Eve will be a fun Monday. It'll be a good day. It falls on a Sunday this year. So uh, Sunday morning service at 10 and then Christmas Eve service at 5 with no small groups that morning. But this today, this today, this morning, we're going to talk about peace. And uh, if you were here last year at Real Church, I was not. But uh, every once in a while before I came here, I would listen to Barry preach uh, on the podcast. Uh, Real Church has a podcast that you can subscribe to and get the weekly updates every single week. And so uh, we film that every single week, so it's live, and then it gets, it gets put on that afternoon. Uh, but, it, but it was a Monday, the day after that Barry preached on peace, which is one of his favorite topics, by the way. So uh, he told me this week, he said, had I known you would have got peace, I would have rearranged the schedule a little bit. And that's okay. That's all right. But, uh, but I will tell you that it just, it just happened to be that last year, the same time last year, I listened to Pastor Barry's sermon on peace. And in my opinion, it was the best sermon I've ever heard on peace at Advent ever. And uh, he probably don't remember it, but I sent him a text and I was like, dude, that was really, that was really, really good. 
And so uh, if you get a chance, uh, if this one's really, really bad, just go to the archives for po the podcast and go back next week and look for the good one, okay? If this one stinks, there's a good one in the, in the, in the, in the arsenal, okay? So you won't be deprived of peace today. Shalom. In the Old Testament, it's the Hebrew word for peace, and it, held, it holds like a wide range of connotations in regard to peace. Wholeness, health, security, well-being, salvation, all of those things. And so this morning, the Holtz, they lit our, our, our peace candle this morning, relit the hope candle and lit the peace candle this morning, and they read a little bit of Isaiah 9, but we're going to read a little bit more of Isaiah 9. Can we do that? Can we do that? All right, let's do it. We're going to read Isaiah 9, verses 1 through 7, and uh, we're going to talk about peace this morning. Let's read it together. It's on the words behind. It's on the screen behind me. Nevertheless, the time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. The land of Zebulun and Naphtali will be humbled, but there will be a time in the future when Galilee of the Gentiles, which lies along the road that runs between the Jordan and the sea, will be filled with glory. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of darkness, will, a light will shine. You will enlarge the nation of Israel, and its people will rejoice. They will rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, and like warriors dividing the plunder. Verse 4. For, for you will break the yoke of their slavery and lift the burden, heavy burden, from their shoulders. You will break the oppressor's rod just as you destroyed the army of Midian. The boots of the warrior and the uniforms bloodstained by war will all be burned. They will be fuel for the fire. Now, here's the happy part, verses five, 6 and 7. Verses 1 through 5 are kind of gloomy, but they're setting up the stage for us, okay? For a, for a child is born to us, a son is given to us, the government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Verse 7 says, His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all of eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord's armies will make this happen. Let's pray together, okay, church? Father, in this life, I feel like if there was one thing that we could ask you for, both spiritually, physically, emotionally, financially, psychologically, relationally, Lord, if there was one thing that we could ask for, I think it would be peace. Lord, if we don't have peace in certain areas of our life, our life is difficult to live sometimes, to say the least. In times of war, we pray for peace. In times of calamity, we pray for peace. In times of relational conflict, we pray for peace. In times of health struggles, we pray for peace. In times of job loss, we pray for peace. In times of economic inflation, we pray for peace. Sometimes in terms of weather, we pray for peace. Lord, if there's not peace... There's not really much of anything. Lord, the peace that you talk about and the peace that you offer, shalom that we see all throughout the Old Testament is a sense of wholeness, complete peace that you want for all of us. And so, Lord, we ask that you help us to understand what peace means in a different light this morning. 
Help us to be committed to your word and focus on your word at this time. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, there's three things I want you to see. We'll keep it simple this morning. And I'll be honest with you, my favorite, favorite verse out of what we just read was verse 7. And the reason it's verse 7 is because uh, we are, it's, it's, it's been made very, very clear that there is a commitment by God for peace. And so this morning, every single point that we'll look at, if you look in the guide, you'll see it. Uh, there's three points. Every single one begins with the phrase, God's commitment to peace, and then fill in the blank. So that's what we're going to look at this morning, and I want to show you the first one. The first one's up there on the screen behind me. God's commitment to peace prompts us to look back and to understand what peace meant to the Israelites. And so Isaiah 8 ended with evil and corrupt people uh, seeking wisdom from false gods and false spirits, and a strong sense of darkness was present. Do you ever feel that sometimes? Like, I kind of felt that after 9-11. I was only 11, 12 years old at the time, but I remember specifically feeling like there was a darkness that kind of clouded the earth, right? Like something wasn't quite right. When Jesus died on the cross, what does Scripture say? Scripture said darkness filled the earth. And so what we read here when we pick up in Isaiah 9, Isaiah 8 ends on a very, very gloomy note. There's a sense of darkness. Ephesians 5, 8 addresses this darkness. He says, for once you were full of darkness, but now you have a light from the Lord, so live as people of light. One of the common things that we see in the Old Testament in regard to peace and the desire for peace and, and people asking God for peace is, is are, are, are enemies. People have issues with enemies. If you read the Psalms that David wrote or any other Psalms or if you read some of the Proverbs, if you look at the patriarchs in Genesis, if you look at Moses and all, all the dealings there, there was a lot of conflict, right? This country wasn't getting along with this country. These people didn't like these people. Jews, Gentiles, back and forth. Like There's always that conflict and it all had to do with enemies. If you read a lot of the Psalms, if you read a lot of the Psalms, sometimes you're like, David, could you say enemy one more time? Like, God, address my enemies. Habakkuk, a few weeks ago when we looked at God's power, he talked about his enemies. Enemies, 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 enemies. If you look all throughout the Old Testament, you see that the, the main focus of people wanting peace in their life is derived from enemies. Like, they have enemies. They have people that they are at odds with, that they want to kill. They want to kill them, and, uh, and, and, and vice versa. And it's a terrible, terrible thing. Isaiah 29, a little later in Isaiah... This is a promise from the Lord. He said, I will feed your enemies with their own flesh, which is, by the way, it's disgusting. Okay, thanks God for that imagery. It gets better. They will be drunk with rivers of their own blood. I'm glad he stopped there. The rest of verse 26 says, all the world will know that I, the Lord, am, I, am, I, am your Savior and your Redeemer, the Mighty One of Israel. And so what we see here a lot is we see the Israelites and everybody complaining about enemies. There's enemies, enemies, enemies everywhere. So for the Israelites, God saying, I will take care of your enemies, offers them a sense of peace that they can't find anywhere else because no one else is going to deal with their enemies. And let me tell you the truth. Your enemies that you have today are in that same situation. God telling you that he's going to take care of these things for you in your best interest and his timing is a promise for peace that he makes to you. So like, what does peace look like for us today? So for the Israelites, the big deal was peace. They didn't really have firearms at the time. They just had swords where they could stab people, right? I'm getting very graphic here, but it is what it is. They didn't like people. There was a relational conflict. 
but peace for us today. Yeah, we have enemies. Some of us have enemies. Some of us, if, 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 some of us, if we're being dead honest, if one of our enemies were to walk through that door, we would just leave. Depend, it depends on what they did. They may have murdered someone. They may have uh, uh, done something to one of your friends or one of your kids or one of your family members or whatever. An enemy. Then you have, like, relationship conflict, which is not necessarily enemies, right? My sister and I were about two years apart, and growing up, like, we didn't really get along. We just didn't get along. We're completely different personalities, and so, like, there was kind of, like, a relational conflict there, not really as much anymore, but, like, but we weren't enemies. Does that make sense? And so sometimes, like, in our lives, we want peace in regard to our enemies. Like, Lord, I don't see how there can be any peace based on what that person did to me or based on what I did to that other person. I don't see how in the world there can be peace. But then there's other situations where, like, maybe we've wronged someone and, and they're, they're trying to come around to forgiving us, whatever that looks like. But it's a relationship conflict, not necessarily enemies, but you're asking for peace in that regard. What does peace look like for us today? What about money? Money's an issue, job loss, threats, major car, home, and health issues. In the Woodhouse, I don't know about you, but in the Woodhouse, we have terrible luck with appliances. We have replaced our washing machine, our over-the-counter uh, microwave, and our dishwasher all this year. And Tiffany's transmission went out two weeks ago. All right, so it's like, okay. This is not like enemy peace in the Old Testament, but I want some peace. You know what I mean? Like, I want some peace. Do you ever feel that way sometimes? Anyone ever had an appliance or a transmission go out at Christmas time, at the wrong time, the wrong time in the wrong way? Golly. Economic inflation, right? Like, you make a certain amount and everything else is going up, but you're not, but your income's not. That kind of stinks, right? We're kind of going through that. Like, like it kind of creates a sense of instability, and it creates a sense of turmoil in our hearts and frustration and a sense of maybe like a, maybe like a loss of hope, and we want peace in that regard. Some of us, like my mom, uh, found out a few months ago that she has cancer, and they've said that there's really no way, the, the, the chances of her going to remission are pretty much slim to none. Uh, she would just have to battle it and keep it maintained for the rest of her life which stinks and it's terrible. But some of you have health concerns in that regard too. And you lay down at night and you feel the aches and pains that you didn't feel before. And the next thing you know, it turns into something that you didn't really see coming, you know? And it stinks, it's terrible. In the words of our pastor, sometimes it just sucks, right? That's what he told the Hanleys when poor Erica went through her troubles losing some folks. It's a tough thing. What about the wayward nature of our children? You're, don't add, I'm not going to ask you. You ever had a child that kind of went off on the wrong path in life? Maybe as a teenager, maybe as an adult. Don't raise your hand. Please don't raise your hand for the sake of them and their... <laughs> their <pride. laughs> But you want peace, right? There was a music minister at First Baptist Sonoy when I was there, and he had a son and a daughter. The son was a little older than me. The daughter was my age. She graduated from East Coweta. But they had a time with her. And I'm telling you, and he told me about it all, and I was like, well, dude, she's my age, man. Like, I kind of feel weird listening to this. But, but he was telling me all about it, and he, I said, what did you do? He said, we went to her room every single day for years on end and prayed for her. 
and prayed that whatever she was going through, that whatever was prompting her to do those things, there would be peace and there would be release and there would be repentance, whatever it is. And then you have the busyness of life. I remember specifically Tiffany and I were in Jamaica and Shelby had a softball game while we were gone and there was an issue. And so they called us and, you know, we're sitting there in paradise sitting by the pool and we're getting phone calls that the lights won't turn on at the stadium. And I'm like, dude, I don't care. Like, I really don't care. Like, I guess they won't have a game, right? Charity was calling Tiffany, and then, and then the, the, I was calling the board member. I was like, the lights won't come on, whatever. And then for a minute, like, I was in Jamaica and didn't have a care in the world. But for a minute, though, like, I, 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 remember, like, I just saw a sharp contrast between where I was and, and, and a problem that occurred back at home. And I could see the difference. Like, where I was, there was definitely peace. Back at the ball field in Brooks, there was no peace because the lights wouldn't come on. And coaches were getting beefy and umpires were getting mad and parents were getting mad. They had to drive their kid and they're late and they hadn't ate dinner and they hadn't been home and their clothes need washed and blah, blah, blah. I mean, it's like, okay, okay. I just want peace. I want peace. You have enemies. You have relational conflict. You have money. You have health concerns. Wayward nature of children. Busyness. We can go on and on and on. That's what peace looks like for us. That's what peace looks like for us. And by Jesus coming, what he says to us in all those regards is, I will help you walk through those things. He told the Israelites, the biggest struggle that you have for peace are your enemies. And so for us to understand what it meant for the Israelites helps us to understand what it means for us. If, the, if God takes care of their enemies, just like he says in Isaiah 49, 26, I will take care of your enemies. They are going to get drunk on their own blood, metaphorically speaking. Okay, don't, don't quote me here. Metaphorically speaking, they're going to get drunk on their own blood. I will take care of these issues that you have, and I will help you through them. Now, it's not going to be a silver bullet solution. It's not going to be that, and we know it's not going to be that. But he says, I took care of the Israelites, I'm going to take care of you. You follow me? If we can understand what he did for the Israelites, we can understand what he's going to do for us. Number two, God's commitment to peace has, com has components that have yet to occur. One thing that we all must realize is the fact that like, we may not be alive when Christ returns. But what we do know is that Christ will return. The second part of verse 6 says, The government will rest on his shoulders. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. You see, when Jesus came, he brought peace on the earth. But there's another component. Revelation talks about a millennium that will come where Christ will reign. Now, there's debate on that, but in my mind, it really doesn't matter before or after or in between or whatever people want to argue. It doesn't matter. The fact is that he's going to come, that he will be wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace, and everyone else is trying to puff their ego. That's my opinion. Are you with me? Are y'all following me? There's a debate there. That's why I said that. All right? But he will come. And the government will rest on his shoulders. He will be the government of the universe, and it will fully be on his shoulders. But for us, in our life, Christ came 2,000 years ago and says, I will give you peace. He resurrected from the grave, lived on the earth 40 days. But before he left, he said, I'm going to send you a helper, a counselor, a mediator. And we talked about all of that when we studied the book of John. If you don't remember that, go back and look at the little certificate that was printed out for you with your graduation certificate saying you got through the book of John. Raise your hand if you still have that. Raise your hand if you still have that. Come on, real church. Wake up. Wake up. All right. So we know what, we're talk we know what he's talking about. He said, I'm going to send a helper, a counselor, and in regard to that, I will help you find peace in your life. But if we don't talk, 
If we don't have a relationship, if we don't communicate, if you don't surrender those things down before me, I can't help you. That's what he says. That's what he says. So what we get to experience now is the complete peace that Christ offers uh, in a sense of wholeness of, of him mending areas of our life in which we need peace. That's what we get to experience now. Right now. But what Scripture says is one day there'll be a time when, when Christ returns and he rules for that thousand years. When he returns and he comes and he's ruler, he will be wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. And he will be the perfect, most holy form of government ever. When you and I go to the polls in 11 months and vote for our next president, we are not voting for the next holy form of government. How do we know that? Because the Bible says that the, the, that the, that the, next, that the person who will be the next government who is holy and perfect and, and blameless will be a wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. There's never been a presidential candidate who's ever been all those things. Not even close. Amen? Amen. Who cares? Okay. Daniel 2, verse 44 through 45 says, During the reigns of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom. Listen to me. He'll send up, he'll, he will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed or conquered. It will crush all these kings and kingdoms into nothingness, and it will stand forever. That is the meaning of the rock cut from the mountain, though not by human hands, that crushed into pieces the statue of iron, bronze, clay, silver, and gold, which is stuff that we've made, by the way. The great God was showing the king what will happen in the future. The dream is true, and its meaning is certain. As we experience peace in life here on earth, we keep in mind that we will experience a future eternity that includes no sin, no sickness, no economy, no conflict, and instead the government will rest on his shoulders and we will experience a fullness of peace that our earthly bodies can't experience. That's a cool thought to know because I know how it feels when God grants me peace in certain areas of my life, whether it be my health or finances, or my mother, or my marriage, or the relationship with my children, or raising my children, whatever. Like, I know what that feels like when he gives us, when he gives me that peace. But to think that one day when Christ returns that we will be in glory with him and we'll see the fullness of who God is, that will be the ultimate form of peace where we will continue to grow and worship and worship and worship and worship for eternity. It's an amazing thing think about. And so not only do we get to experience peace here now, but we get to experience eternal peace later. Let's look at the third one. God's commitment to peace comes with great passion. This is my favorite one. Listen to the first part of verse 7, or listen to verse 7. It says, the government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all of eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord, of the Lord's armies, will make this happen. God is passionate about peace. Not only does he give us peace in this life through the power of the Holy Spirit and through the ministry of the Holy Spirit, not only does he do that, but one day when he returns, there will be the greatest sense of peace we'll ever experience in our entire lives. But, 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 but the fact that, like, the fact that he's going to do that and then the fact that he's passionate about it, means something to me. Do you get what I'm saying? If someone says that they're going to do something and then they just do it nonchalantly, that's like, oh, okay, well, he did it for me. But if you do something for someone in a passionate way, it kind of 
it changes things. It turns the dial up. It, it speaks to something that's greater and deeper than what you understand about peace. And so we understand peace in terms of what we feel, what we experience in our minds, what we feel with our bodies, that inner peace that we have that we, that we know when things go wrong, everything will still be all right. In heaven, nothing will go wrong. Everything will go right, and it will be complete peace. But not only will God give that to us unconditionally and lovingly, he will give it to us passionately, which is something that means a lot to me. Jesus coming is God's commitment to us for peace. The Holy Spirit as the ultimate pastor on earth within each believer is God's commitment to us for peace. Jesus coming back as wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father and prince of peace is God's commitment to us for peace. And the salvation that we get to live and experience through Jesus Christ is God's commitment to us for peace. One of the things that I struggled with early on in regard to peace is when Tiff and I got married, as everybody else probably was, you were poor, right? So I cut grass a little bit, and then I worked at the Sears Hometown Store in Noonan. Raise your hand if you remember where that store was. Raise your hand. It was over there behind Texas Roadhouse, the worst possible place for it to be. But the, but the name Sears is a name that's prominent, and pe people want Kenmore, and they want DeWalt, not DeWalt, Die Hard. They want Kenmore, and they want, what's another brand that I'm thinking about? The Craftsman Tool Warranties, right, where the ratchet breaks, you can bring it in, lifetime warranty, whatever. Well, there, uh, Tiffany worked at a daycare. I worked at Sears and cut grass on the side. I didn't really have a ministry position to go to at the time, and so that's what I did. I did it for about a year and a half. And so what we would do is we would, we would sell appliances, GE, LG, Samsung, uh, Kenmore, Kenmore Elite, uh, uh, some Gen Air for all the rich folks that come in. Um, what else would we do? Uh, 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 Whirlpool, Maytag, all that stuff, right? All that KitchenAid, all that kind of stuff. And so we kind of had to like build a knowledge of those things. One thing that Sears did that they prided themselves in, which I thought was a bunch of bull crap, but that's just my opinion, uh, is they would, sell, they would sell the extended warranties on appliances. So as you know, and as I definitely know this, you go online to buy an appliance and they want to sell you an extended warranty, okay? Whatever. They, they're going to break and you just replace them and move on with your life. I don't even try, right? The microwave, the reason I had to replace it is because the part was $350. The whole microwave was $300. Okay, just take it out and put a new one in and move on with your life. I don't buy the warranties for that kind of stuff. But, but what they would do is uh, they called them master protection agreements. Gives you complete peace of mind. If anything goes wrong with this beautiful, spotless, notable American icon of a Kenmore refrigerator, we'll take care of it. You don't have to pay anything. Okay, okay, yeah. Anyway, so, so like you can do a three-year and a five-year, right? So online, when you buy them, they're a little cheaper, but they're not a master protection agreement. They don't cover everything that Sears would cover. It gave you complete peace. It gave you a sense of wholeness. Don't even, you don't even have to worry about it for the next three to five years when you can get them to come out. <clears throat> anyway, uh, to work on it. Yeah. So, like, I remember specifically the three-year was 269, and then the five-year was like 319. And, the, and then, the, like, the, the uh, what am I trying to say? The incentive for us is they would give us 10%. If we could sell one, they would give us 10% of what it was. So if we sold a three-year, we'd get 27 bucks. If we got a, you know, if we got a five-year, we'd get 31 bucks, 32 bucks, whatever. 
whatever. I couldn't stand those things. It drove me crazy. I felt like an idiot for trying to sell somebody a $260 warranty on a $500 dishwasher. I'm like, I wouldn't do it. Why would I try to get somebody else to do it? Anyway, I'm glad that part of my life is over and I get to work at a church. Uh, It offered whole, like, you don't even have to worry about it for three to five years. You don't even have to worry about it. In the Old Testament, the word shalom is the ultimate wholeness, the complete sense of peace that you can find anywhere. It's the completest sense of peace that you can find. I want whole peace for you. And I'm hoping that you want whole peace for me too. We, we want peace for each other. Am I right? We want that for each other. And so what I want to do is something a little different than what we normally do to close the service. And while we're doing this, I want our praise team to come up. But we're going to have a prayer for peace. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to read Psalm 34. And I want you to be standing up. So let's stand up. Let's stand up together. Everyone stand up. There's 22 verses in Psalm 34. Praise team, y'all come on up. But I want... I want there to be a sense of peace and a sense of wholeness in your life. The mission, real church, is to help people experience God in real life. That's what we want for you. Why do we want that for you? We want that for you because it provides peace. It provides shalom. It provides a sense of wholeness. It is God's commitment. It is you being aware of God's commitment to you. His passionate commitment for peace. He's committed He's passionate about it, and he gives it. One day he'll come, and we'll experience in a glorious way before God the Father, which is a really awesome thing to think about. And so I want to give you something. I want to pray over you. And you're standing now. I want you to just stand here with your hands out like this, as if I'm giving you something. Okay? Close your eyes. And we're gonna, I'm going to pray this prayer of Psalm 34 over you, okay? I will praise the Lord at all times. I will constantly speak His praises. I will boast only in the Lord. Let all who are helpless take heart. Come, let us tell of the Lord's, great, uh, of the Lord's greatness. Let us exalt His name together. I prayed to the Lord, and He answered me. He freed me from all my fears. Those who look up to him for help will be radiant with joy. No shadow of shame will darken their faces. In my desperation, I prayed, and the Lord listened, and he saved me from all my troubles. The, Lord, the angel of the Lord is a guard. He surrounds and defends all who fear him. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, the joys of those who take refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you, godly, uh, you his godly people. For those who fear him will have all they need. Even you strong young lions sometimes go hungry, but those who trust in the Lord will lack no good thing. Come, my children, and listen to me, and I will teach you to fear the Lord. Does anyone want to have a life that is long and prosperous? Then keep your tongue from speaking evil and your lips from telling lies. Turn away from evil and do good. Search for peace and work to maintain it. The eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right. His ears are open to their cries for help, but the Lord turns his face against those who do evil. He will erase their memory 
from the earth. The Lord hears his people when they call to him for help. He rescues them from their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. The righteous person faces many troubles, but the Lord comes to rescue each time. For the Lord protects the bones of the righteous, not one of them is broken. Calamity will sure destroy the wicked, and those who hate the righteous will be punished. But the Lord will redeem those who serve him. No one takes refuge in him will be condemned. Father, I pray for all of my friends here at Real Church this morning. I pray for peace. I pray for a sense of wholeness. Any area of their life in which they need peace, first and foremost, I pray that they would lay those things down and surrender them to your feet, to your altar this morning. First and foremost. And next... Lord, you begin to passionately, in a committed way, work out peace in our lives. And for that, we are so grateful. We need it. We want it. But right now, we need to let it go. Whatever it is that's holding us back. Lord, you work in such a way sometimes where you cry with us and you mourn with us before you deal with our pain and you deal with it. And so join us now in our pain and our frustration and our brokenness and bring us to a sense of wholeness, whatever that may look like in our life. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship. Thank you for listening to the podcast for Real Church Coweta. If you have any questions or would like to contact us, please visit our website at realchurchcoweta.com and click on the Contact Us tab. We invite you to join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. in the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sharpsburg. Until then, God bless and remember to love God, love others, and live real.